I'm also excited to continue with our series entitled Relationships, The Struggle is Real. And it's pretty interesting that we're starting a, a, a title like this because I just talked about how we're surrounded by awesome people. Not every relationship in our life has to be a struggle, but what we will discover is that as we are around people, oftentimes we will have struggles in relationships. The question is, how do we work through those things? And that's what the whole principle is with this series. Back in the day when Charity and I were dating, there was a lot of pressure for us to get married. I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this series. There was a lot of pressure for us to get married. Charity and I dated for a long time, uh, almost five years. And a lot of the older people in our life were trying to get us to get married. And I said, look, I intend to marry Charity, but I'm not going to marry her until I can support her financially. We were both in college. Uh, I was working at a welding shop. We were driving back and forth. I mean, we could have we survived, but, but we're, we're living off of love, if you know what I mean. I mean, there was no money there. And so I I told him, I said, look, I'm not going to get married until, uh, until I can support her financially. And finally, one of the gentlemen who harassed me more than everyone else said, look, it's honorable that you want to wait. And we don't mean to pressure you too much. Us married guys just hate seeing a happy single man. And so I was like, okay, great. That, that, that helps a lot. What that, we laugh at that joke because we know that relationships can be a struggle. Marriage relationships can be struggles, but all relationships can be struggles from time to time. Family relationships can be brutal. Unfortunately, even sometimes within our church, relationships can be contentious. I'm thankful that we don't have that problem here at the church, but many times you know that there, there can be contention between people. Why? Because anytime you get around another flawed human being, and we're all flawed ourselves, there's going to be friction, there's going to be trouble. Now, what's interesting about studying the scriptures is that God's word is full of instructions of how we are to relate to other people. Think about some of the overarching themes within scripture. It says that it is not good for man to be alone. It says that two are better than one. It says that the sum of all of the law and the prophets is to love God and love people. So what we see when we start digging into the scriptures is that relationships are threaded throughout the word because God intends to, for us to live in proximity to other people and to treat them the way that he treats us. And that is a high calling indeed. Therefore, it would behoove us to stop and say, God, how do I respond in different times, in different seasons, in different relationships that I am in? Now, today we're going to be looking at a relationship status that every person will be in at some point of their life or may be in at multiple times throughout their life. All of us have been there at some point and might still be there or will be there someday. And that is the relationship status of singleness. The reality is, is that relationship of singleness, the idea that we are, uh, that we are not in a, in a dating or a married relationship is a status that every single one of us were in, are in, or are going to be in perhaps again in the future. And it needs to be noted that the principles for singleness are throughout scripture and is championed in scripture. And we're going to look at that today. Now, I will say this, we are, we are focusing on the relationship status of singleness, but the principles of God's word are applicable to every single one of us if we are married or if we are not married. And if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, we're going to read kind of a, a large portion of scripture. We're going to read verses 1 through 9, and then we're going to pick up again in verse number 17. 
And here's what the word says. First Corinthians chapter seven, starting verse number one. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourself to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, as a concession, not as a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I am, but each one has his own gift from God, one to, of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Skip down to verse number 17. We're going to read 17 through verse 40. It says this, Only let each one lead a life that the Lord has assigned to him, and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at this, his time called uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bond servant when called? Then, then do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself to the opportunity. For he who is called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who is free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become a bondservant of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give you a judgment as one by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in the view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Then do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Then do not seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I want to spare you that. And all the married people said, amen. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they have none, and those who mourn as they were not mourning, those who rejoice as if they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they have no dealing with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. And I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And an unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But a married woman is anxious about worldly things and how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and if it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. 
But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and having determined this is his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Yet my judgment She is happier if she remains as she is. And I think I too have the spirit of God. Wow, that's a lot of reading. But within that reading, we see a lot of truth and a lot of principle that the apostle Paul is wanting to give us both of relationship of marriage and of singleness. First Corinthians chapter seven has a reputation of being a passage about marriage because it starts out talking about the sexual relationship between a husband and wife. However, when you approach this passage and look at it in its totality, it's really talking about the pathway in which God has called called each of us to live. And here's the big idea that we need to see when it comes to relationships. The gospel's call, otherwise known as the call of God on your life, is not dependent upon our social standing or our relationship status. It's important to see from the very beginning that the biblical understanding of singleness is very different from our Western approach to singleness. Singleness is celebrated in the New Testament. Think about the men and women in Scripture who were single when God called them to do great things for the kingdom of God. Jesus was a single man. Paul was a single man. It would appear that Elijah and Elisha were single. John the Baptist was single. Anna the prophetess who held Jesus was a widow. Daniel was single. So there's a lot of people throughout Scripture who were single, and God used them in the place that they were to do great and mighty things things for him. The scripture does not view our marital status the same way that our Western culture views it. And this creates several mental barriers that we have to overcome at the very beginning of this message for the principles to be applied to our life. The first thing we have to understand is this. In the West, we celebrate all romantic relationships, God honoring and not God honoring. And this is not good. Tabloids love to make a big deal of who, quote unquote, is hooking up with whom. And this creates a negative social stigma that unless we are in romantic relationships, we have not yet arrived to a social standing by our peers. And this would be an unbiblical understanding of being single. In the West, we feel like until we have a check mark on the relationship status, until we change over on our social media, our, our relationship status, that we are not at the same level as someone who is in a romantic relationship. And this is not a picture that the scripture betrays at all. The second thing we have to understand that is misconstrued in the Western culture is that when we do celebrate, when we, as in the culture, celebrates singleness, it is never in a healthy manner. I cannot think of one thing in our culture that celebrates singleness in a healthy manner. Think about the things that we do celebrate. We celebrate the bachelors who are the playboys who go out on sexual exploits, or we celebrate the women who are are exploring their sexual freedom, and we're telling our generation that this is a good thing, and that if you are single, this is how you should live. Enjoy your indulgences. Neither is this mindset 
portrayed in Scripture. So biblically, from our passage, what we see is, is that Paul is trying to get us to have a, a heavenly alignment with our relationship statuses. Paul is making a mandate that there are gospel advantages to the single lifestyle. He says this, that marriage can be a benefit in the life of a believer. Singleness can be a benefit in the life of a believer. However, these benefits are only effective when we allow the Holy Spirit to guide our outlook on our relationships, to allow the Holy Spirit to guide our spiritual condition, and allow the Holy Spirit to guide our calling. Make no mistake about it. The fundamental challenges that you will face when you are single are identical to the challenges that married people will face when they're married. They're just in a different context. Why? Because marital status does not change our hearts. The human heart is flawed, and all of us need Jesus to fix it. So, when you are single, a lot of the same issues that you will face are the same as married people will face. And we have to allow God, we have to allow Jesus, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to start to change our heart and help us bring in alignment with his word. So the question that we need to answer today is this, how should we biblically approach singleness so that we can thrive and who God has called us to be? That should be the question for every single one of us. How do we approach this season of my life so that I can thrive with whom God has called me to be? The first thing I want you to see is this. Realize that you are positioned to be a solution to a kingdom problem. Every single one of us, married or single, are positioned to be a solution to a kingdom problem. Paul starts out this passage by addressing a question that the church has written to him. If you look in your Bible, he actually starts out, and it's a little bit confusing, so I want you, if you can, look at it, and it might be uh, on our screen in verse number one. He says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, and then you'll see quotations. The, the church wrote him this question, and they said, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. So he's, they, he's addressing the question that they have to them. And for the, the a brief understanding of the time in which Paul is writing in, these people believe that the natural body, the, the fleshly body of men and women didn't really matter. And the only thing that mattered was the soul. And this is not a biblical view because God created you. He created your body. He created your soul. He created you in harmony. We know that someday that this, this body of ours is going to be transformed. We're going to be regenerated into a new body when Jesus comes. And so God is concerned about your whole person. And Paul is addressing this. And in this passage, he's fundamentally saying that marriage is a great thing, but that singleness might be a better thing. Paul makes it very clear in verses six through nine that singleness is a gift from God. He says this, now as a concession, not as a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each one has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried, to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So Paul paints this picture that singleness is a precious gift from God. 
And that word gift is actually very interesting and significant because it's the same Greek word that we use for spiritual gifts. So what we see is that marriage is a gift from God. It's a spiritual gift, the Holy Spirit walking with two people, trying to learn to love one another the way that Christ loves the church is a beautiful gift. It's a wonderful gift. All the married women said, my husband is the gift that keeps on giving, right? Amen. Oh, you said that with passion in your heart. I thought I was going to hear some sarcasm when Charity said amen. I must be doing all right. Come on. My day just got better. However, just because marriage is a gift doesn't mean that if you're single, God hasn't gifted you. This passage makes it very clear that singleness is also a gift from God. The Holy Spirit empowering you and enabling you to approach ministry, approaching a reflecting of the image of God into this world is a beautiful thing. There are certain kingdom advantages. There are certain problems that single people are better equipped to handle and to be solutions to. That's what Paul is making very clear in this passage, specifically verses 32 through 35, when he talks about how marriage brings a lot of anxiety. He says, when you're married, your your attentions and your interests are divided because you have to worry about someone else. But when you're single, that can be a gift because you can have singular focus on what God has called you to do, and you don't have to take in a wife or a husband or children into account for that. I asked a single friend one time, one of the biggest irritations of being single, and their response is this, quote, it's an assumption that if we fixed ourselves, we would not be single. And I could imagine that as single people, that would be very irritating to have that assumption. Why? Because again, the culture is always saying marriage, relationship status is the goal. Well, we understand that's not a biblical reality. The biblical reality is that singleness is a gift from God according to this passage. Let's just be very clear. Marriage is not a mandate to be a part of the body of Christ. We are all members of the body of Christ, whatever condition we were currently called in is a condition that God chose us to plant us in this church. You might have been reading, you might be, why, why are we talking about circumcision? Well, because that was a big deal in this day and age. For the Jews, they were circumcised and they were trying to tell the Gentiles who were not that they had to change. And Paul's saying, look, however God called you, that was the place he wanted you to be. If you weren't Jewish, then don't worry about trying to become Jewish. If you were Jewish, then just embrace that and move forward. If you were a bond servant, if you were an, if you were an indentured servant, then don't worry about trying to get freedom. If you can, that's great, but don't worry about, because listen, how God called you is where he wants you to be. You're in J America. This is where he called you. This is where you're saved. This is what church he planned you in. This is where he wants you to be. If you're married, he wants you to be married. If you're single, then this is where he called you to be in this moment. We have to have an eternal perspective on the gifting of God. If God has gifted you, then that gifting is to address a kingdom problem. Every gift we see God give people in scripture is always a solution to kingdom problems. We're studying spiritual gifts on Wednesday night. We started last week. If you don't come to our deep dive, here's a plug. You should be here on Wednesday night, seven o'clock. We have a ton of fun. I love that setting so much. We have a little devotion and then we discuss in the cafe, seven o'clock. We were talking about spiritual gifts. 
Here's the thing about spiritual gifts. If you read in 1 Corinthians 14, you'll see that it's for the edification of the church, meaning that when God has gifted you, it's for someone else. So God has empowered us to be with his spirit to be a witness. That is a solution to a kingdom problem. God has given a prophets, uh, excuse me, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers as gifts to the church that's solving kingdom problems. God has given gifts for one another that's solving kingdom problems. And as I just said, we can read throughout Scripture Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, specifically about God giving spiritual gifts to solve kingdom problems. So when we read in this passage that singleness is a gift, it is just as important and just as valid as any other gift that we read in Scripture. And again, it's the same word. You are planted to be a solution to a kingdom problem. Now, the question that all people need to ask, single people specifically in this message need to ask, is this. How can I best use the gift that God has given me in this season? Now, from my perspective, there are several ways in which being single can be a kingdom advantage. Single people have the freedoms of mobility. When one has a family, God's first call in your life is then to help support that family. If this church grows to 50,000 people, but my son falls away from Jesus because I love the church more than I loved him, that means I didn't live out my calling the way God called me to. Because my first responsibility is as a father, as a husband. When I felt the called to leave our last ministry assignment to come here, I had to take my family into account. Was this good or bad for my family? Single people have the freedom of mobility, flexibility, and are able to be fluid in their ability to choose and pursue what God is calling them to do. Paul teaches us this through his example. He just followed his Holy Spirit his entire life. He traveled four worldwide mission trips on foot and by sea. He would not have had that mobility as a married man. He would have had to worry about wives and kids, etc. I have no doubt that if I was a single man, my ministry would look different than it does today. I truly believe that I'd be running around the world somewhere else right now, going places no one else wanted to go. Why? Because I could do that. Single people have the freedom of time. Being married with a wife and kids does create restrictions of time. Spouses and kids require a lot of time. Amen. Especially now that we're like, you know, have them at home, you know, doing this virtual online learning thing. They take a lot of time, right? That's why you should leave your kids after church on Sunday afternoon. It gives you two hours where you don't have to watch your kids and their Pastor Jamie's problem. Amen. Amen. Right? There are ball games, they're demanding, they need to be fed, they need to be bathed. They're easier to bathe when they're little. The older they get, the less they want to you know, go get cleaned up. There's a sleepless night, there's a sickness. And listen, families can be gifts, but from kingdom solution perspectives, families can also limit some effectiveness because the time is limited. People who are single have more control over how they use their free time. They have more available of a resource to dedicate to the Lord. And if you're, for example, if you're discipling someone and they call you at seven o'clock in the evening and you so choose, you could go meet them and have a conversation with them. Whereas if you're, you have a wife and children and you're trying to get them to bed, you might not be as flexible. Time is a gift that you can dedicate to the work of the Lord. Now, a word to the wise. This needs to be taken with a grain of salt. 
This principle doesn't mean that you have unlimited time. It doesn't mean that you should allow others to dominate your time. It doesn't mean that you should allow yourself to be used, nor does it mean that you should not take personal time or a Sabbath. Being single doesn't mean that anybody else gets to control your time or dictate your schedule or how you live life. That is still your responsibility. And as as Miss Erica taught us last week, you need to have healthy boundaries and you need to cap certain people in your life. Being single simply means you can be more flexible with the resources you have. Singleness also gives the freedom of singular focus. Single people can be kingdom solutions that in ways that married people cannot. And this is specifically what Paul talked about. He said, your attentions are undivided when you are single, meaning you can hear the call of the Lord and you can focus on that. You don't have to have any other distractions or anxieties in the world. If there's one thing that marriage does do is it brings a lot more anxiety in your life. Why? Because now you're not just worrying about your own issues or your own stuff, but now you have someone else in the mix and it can create a lot of tension in life. So first we see that as single people, You are positioned to be a solution to the kingdom problem. Second thing is this. Realize that personal fulfillment is found in Christ and not in other people. Verse 17 says this. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule for all the churches. Paul is encouraging people not to change their social status. And there seems to be a subliminal message within this passage, and that message would be this. When one finds their complete fulfillment in Christ, they won't rush into marriage. Now, here's the facts. A lot of people are rushing into marriage because they're looking for an inner fulfillment, and they believe if they find Mr. or Mrs. Right, that they will have happiness and everything will be hunky-dory. But if you talk to married people for five minutes, you will realize that is not the truth. Paul is not forbidding marriage. He said, it's good to get married. It's a wonderful thing. You'll be blessed if you want to get married. On the other hand, there's a sense that being consumed by Christ, you won't have to get married in order to find some sort of fulfillment. And this is the biggest problem in our culture today. We are looking for other human beings to fill the holes and the voids in our heart. We're looking for people to do only what God can do. We're asking them to sit on the throne of our heart. Then they don't live up to our expectations. We get mad at them. We get frustrated at them and we divorce them. This is why so many get divorced because they're looking for their spouse to do what only God can do. And that's bring them happiness. No one is to get married thinking that the other person is going to bring them happiness. Every one of us should get married with the mindset, my life's ambition is now to bring that person happiness. And you're only in a healthy place. You're only in a healthy place to have that mindset when Christ is your all. Of course, there's joy and happiness in a good marriage. However, the source of that joy and happiness is never the other person. Now, check this out. Single people can struggle with the exact same problem. They can struggle with the exact same problem that married couples struggle with. You might feel like you're missing out on happiness because you don't have a spouse to share life's experience with. And that would be a lie. You will never find true joy and happiness in the arms of another person. You will only find true joy and happiness in Christ. And this is why Paul is telling us to focus on the assignment 
that the Lord has called us to, because it forces us to look to Christ to be our fulfillment and to be our source of joy and happiness. Jesus is enough and he's always enough. And the only way that you can lead the life where Christ is enough is when you're constantly turning to him and you're not distracted by someone else trying to be your source. So the question we need to answer is this, is Christ enough for me? Is he, is he the one trying to fill the holes in my heart or am I trying to get other people to fill those holes? Now, why is it so difficult for us to have this type of relationship with the Lord? It could be because there's a lot of work involved in having intimacy with the Lord. Now, understand when I say intimacy, I'm obviously not speaking of sexual intimacy, but rather I'm speaking of an inward knowing and being known. Diving into scripture, diving into worship, diving into prayer is a lot of labor. Any meaningful relationship in your life is going to take an investment, and it's no different investing in a relationship with the Lord. It takes time. It takes dedication. It takes discipline, and a lot of people struggle with that. We find other things that dominate our time, so we don't have this discipline with the Lord, and what ultimately happens is we don't have that intimate relationship with the Lord, and so we start looking to other people to fill those holes in our heart. The other reason why a lot of people struggle allowing Christ to be their fulfillment is because in life, we put a premium on the natural over the spiritual. We do the exact opposite of the Corinthians. We are sensual people, and if we're not engaging our natural senses, then we feel like we are missing out. So when we don't have a physical relationship on earth, we feel like we are missing out on something that we cannot have. And it requires us to renew our mind to know that the spiritual realm, a relationship with Christ is just as real as a natural relationship here on earth. So single people can be kingdom solutions when they find their fulfillment in Christ and not in other people. Third thing we need to see is this. Single people need to develop diverse, intimate relationships. Now, understand, again, when we say intimate relationships, we're not speaking of a sexual relationship. Rather, we're speaking of strong friendships. If you want to see perhaps the most, in this context, the most intimate of relationships, think of, think of, of brothers in arms fighting in battle. In this moment, they would do anything for that brother that's standing next to them. They know everything about their brother next to them, and that brother knows everything about them. They would literally go to hell and back for one another, and that is an intimate relationship. Now, we have to understand that there is a balance in everything that Paul is saying in this passage. He is saying, this is very important to catch, he is saying that it is good to be single in the context of being in the body of Christ. You remove that from the equation, then it's not good for any of us to be alone. But when you're planted in a church, your marital status doesn't dictate if you're alone or not. Why? Because I'm surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ. If we forget that Paul was writing to believers in a faith community, then we're going to miss a very important truth. And that is this, that all of us need diverse, intimate relationships in life because God created us that way. We understand the scripture says it is not good to be alone. 
We talked about this at the beginning of the message. A lot of scripture points to the power of relationships, and single people need diversity in those relationships. You need people that you can speak to, that you can share about what God is laying on your heart. You need people that you can vent to when you're frustrated. You need people to laugh with and enjoy life's experience with. Why? Because two are better than one. Now, here's the problem. The temptation for single people will always to be to find one person that can be the fulfillment of all their intimate needs. This is something that Pastor Erica talked about last week. We want one person, not necessarily for a romantic relationship, but we want one person that can be my everything. And this is dangerous because what we're doing is we're asking that person to be the, support, the source of the, our emotional needs, and no one can do that. Just as people make the mistake in marriage, so two single people can make the mistake when they're looking for one person to be their source. Now, there is a fallacy that married couples have someone that they can share everything with. And that's true to a point. This is true that my wife should have every access to who I am. She should have access to know all things about me that no one else knows. However, I need men in my life to help push me and to help challenge me. I need men in my life to ask me the tough questions. I need men in my life I can call to when I'm frustrated and I'm angry. Otherwise, what's going to happen is my wife is going to have to carry the brunt of that, and she's going to have to be the source in every area of that life, and she can't bear all of that. So I need diversity of relationships in my, in my life. My wife has access, but she shouldn't be the sole pillar or support in my life. So too, single people have to get any sort of idea out of their head that there's ever one person that can bear all the intimate needs that you have in your life. The solution to this challenge is a community of believers. Inside of a community of believers, you have a diverse group of people who can help you compartmentalize and section up your life so that you aren't looking to one person to be your everything. The push of the culture is that you need someone that can do everything, but that's not valid in Scripture. You need someone that can help you in different areas of life. How do you do that? Man, get plugged into church. Speaking personally, it's delightful for me to sit down and talk with the teenagers on Wednesday morning. Why? Because they care about the same things I care about. I sit down, we talk tools or we talk, you know, um, wood burning stoves in the shop. I mean, those are things I care about. It's a joy to get to hang out on that. And I need that. Why? Because I need that wisdom in my life. I need to compartmentalize my life. I need those people speaking in. It's also a joy to hang out with the teenagers on Wednesday night. Why? Because they remind me to be young and to have fun. They remind me that it's okay to wrestle, and I can still beat them for the record. Okay. <laughs> Here's the point. Within the <laughs> They're challenging that. After church, you're going to see me get jumped by 30 of them. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take all of you to get me down. Here's the point. Within the context of church, God has designed iron sharpens iron culture that allows us to grow into the image of Christ. And I would say that there obviously, we know this, there needs to be boundaries and limitations on all relationships so we don't cross over into sin. If you're curious about that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message where Erica lays that out for us. But in the meantime, embrace the local church. I want to close with this if the worship team wants to come back. Today, I've focused on the 
primary, primarily focused on the relationship status of singleness. However, as we've seen, these relationships apply to all of us. And here's what we need to realize. No matter what season we're in, we are positioned to be a solution to a kingdom problem. We have to realize that personal fulfillment is only found in Christ, not in other people. And we need a diversity of relationships in our life. So, should single people seek to be married? Well, Paul basically tells us this. If you want to get married, go for it. But don't allow that desire to dominate your life. If God's desire for you to get married, if one day you will look up and you'll see someone who's there running with you. In the meantime, just be a kingdom solution. The aspect of the message that kept resonating with me so much getting ready for this is you are a kingdom solution. This is the part of the message I felt like so important to convey as a pastor that we're in a culture that celebrates relationships so much that so many people who are single feel like they're in a holding pattern, just waiting for some significant other to show up so they can start living life. And that's not the biblical approach. That's not what the scripture lays out. The only The only person any of us ever needed in our life arrived 2,000 years ago, and he was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he commissioned us to go and make disciples. And every single one of us are called to be kingdom solutions, no matter what our relationship status is. And we need to learn to rest in it.